morning again, and welcome to Delivering Word Bible Church. I'm Reverend Charles Washington, and here at Delivering Word, we believe in gathering as family and growing in our faith and giving out freely. And this week, we're going to continue in our series called Unlearning Bible Belt Religion. And if you all would stand with me, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 3. you got to Galatians 3, we're going to be looking at verse 26 for our reading today. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. So chapter 3, verse 26. It says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. I'll read that one more time. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. If you are like me, I enjoy a good court TV show, and I have become an expert in court cases when it comes to TV court cases. I love watching both sides present their arguments. I love watching the reaction of the crowd and, and just seeing how the dynamics play out in those courtrooms. And in this series that we're going through called Unlearning Bible Belt Religion, we see, if you can imagine, Paul is, is presenting his case before the Galatians of why he believes that we have been justified by faith. On one side of the courtroom, you have the Judaizers who are an extremist group of people who believe that there was more to add to salvation besides just the work that Christ did. So they wanted people to become uh, circumcised as grown men. They wanted them to do all the things that they felt like lined up with what caused them to be righteous. And so they present their arguments and now we see Paul is doing the same in this book of Galatians. So in the first book of Galatians, Pastor Joplin talked about how Paul said that he had been charged with bringing the good news. And Paul talked about how he had preached and was called with authority from Christ. It wasn't just something that he had done on his own. And then last week, Minister Jonathan Collins, he talked about how Paul said that he was confirmed by the apostles in his teaching and that he confronted Peter when he had hypocrisy about his eating and how he did one diet with one group of people and one diet with a different group of people and he tried to be in both worlds and not be who he was in Christ. And today we're going to continue that and chapter three is Paul's defense of why he believes we are justified by faith in Christ Jesus through grace. So this is the argument for Paul, and he explains basically what the first two chapters are building up to this is what he believes and why he thinks we are justified by faith. So as we go through this text today, we're going to look at the main part of verse 26 that says we are children of God. So as we go through these points, I want us to have the mindset of someone who's a child of God. And I think if we have that mindset, it will help us to understand how we can unlearn some, some things that may have been picked up through Bible Belt religion that aren't necessarily aligned with the scripture. So in the beginning of this text, it's very bold language, very upfront, in-your-face kind of language. So Paul starts this message to the Galatians in chapter 3 by calling them fools. Uh, so if I was reading this letter or this letter was being read to me, that would catch my attention. Uh, he doesn't do the normal peaceful greeting. He says, you have been fools. And then in verse 2 he says, who has cast an evil spell on you? 
So he he's kind of at the point where he's saying. It, 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 the only logical explanation could be that someone has cast a spell on you. That the only reason you are going away from the truth of the gospel is because someone has tricked you so much that you are under a spell. So he, he, he starts off these first five verses. If you look in the first five verses of chapter three, there are six questions that Paul asks in five verses. I think that that stands out to us and that's something we should take note of. Um, he says, has has anyone cast a spell on you? He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? He says, how foolish can you be? There's that foolish word again. Then again in verse 3, he says, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? And then he goes on in verse 4, he says, have you experienced so much, meaning the gift of grace from God, for nothing? Then he says, surely it was not in vain, was it? So he's asking them all these questions, I believe, to challenge them in what they were thinking. So one of the dangers with, with having a Bible Belt religion is that we end up doing things without really thinking about the meaning behind them. And so Paul is not only challenging their faith, but he's challenging them to think with the minds that God has given us. Paul asks these questions, and I believe we should ask questions of ourselves when it comes to our faith. Why do I believe what I believe? Is it just because of tradition? Is it because someone else told it to me? Am I able to stand firm on what I think or what I know about Christ based on what the Bible says? It's, it's very important that we don't become lazy or just unconscious about what we do, what we believe, how we act when it comes to how we live our lives for Christ. And we have to make sure that it's not something that we take for granted, that we take lightly. Uh, Paul, Paul was so convicted by this, this way of living that the Galatians were called fools by him. He said, you, you have been foolish. And when we live our lives without thinking and being understanding about what the gospel truly intends for us to do, it's foolish. It's foolish for us to just live our lives and go through our day-to-day -day without really understanding why God has called us here and what he has called us to do. So one thing that Pastor Joplin tells us a lot on the, the leadership team is be able to defend your faith. Why do you believe what you believe? Know what you believe and, and be sure about it. So I think that's something that we have to do as well. And, and that's kind of bringing us to our first point for, for this lesson today. We have to be sure that we believe that what we believe aligns with scripture. We can't just believe anything because it sounds good or it makes us feel good or doesn't really address the hard issues. Whatever we believe as followers of Christ, it has to align with Scripture. And I think that's what Paul was trying to get them to understand when he opened up this letter. Um, then going on to the next part of this chapter, verses 3 through 9, I'm, I'm sorry, verses 6 through 9, Paul shows them the example that was set by Abraham. He talks about how Abraham was declared righteous, not because of anything he did, but because of his faith. Yes, and it's important that we understand God knows we mess up. God knows we're not perfect. God knows that Abraham wasn't a great man every single day of his life. So when God calls us righteous, it's not because we do anything good. It's not because we have pulled one over on God. He declares us righteous because he chooses to declare us righteous yes, based on our faith in him. Yes, so Right off the bat, there's nothing that Abraham did to deserve righteousness, and there's nothing we are going to ever do to deserve God's righteousness. But yet, he says that if we have faith in him, we are declared righteous. On the other hand, sometimes we can come to feel like 
having a gift or a talent or being able to give financially or being able to have a big ministry makes us appear righteous. And all of those things are things that we control. All of those things are things that we do. And none of those things equal righteousness. In, in Bible Belt religion, there's, there's sometimes condemnation from, from other believers to people. And they say, you have to add these things to your life in order to be considered righteous in, in our church or in our culture. And sometimes it means you have to have a big Bible or a nice suit. Sometimes you have to be a good public speaker or a good prayer. Yeah. Um, sometimes you have to be a great worship leader in order to be considered by others righteous. Yes, but Paul is trying to get them to understand, just like Abraham, our righteousness has nothing to do with what we do. It has everything to do with who we believe in. Yes, sir. So there's, there's a constant condemnation that can come from Bible Belt religion if we don't meet the expectations that other people think we should have. And I know for me that was something that I struggled with a lot was feeling like man like every time I make a mistake it was it felt like it was it was painted on my forehead and, and everybody knew about it and I just felt like there's no way I'm going to ever get to be what God wants me to be. I'm always messing up. I'm always trying to be righteous, and I and I can't get it. I don't know what to do, and we we can't do that. We have to remember, just like Abraham, that our righteousness is based off of the faith that we put in Jesus Christ. And then going on, Paul talks about the effect of the law when it was written, when it was given to us. Paul says there was an effect that happened because of that in verses ten through twelve. So. He says that if we are to obey the law for righteousness and we, and we disobey one of those laws, then the Bible says that we are cursed. So when we take the approach that, that works or the law is what brings us righteousness, it's an all or nothing approach. If I, if I don't obey every part of the law, the Bible says that I'm cursed. All right, that's a, that's a very thin line to walk down if we're going to say the law is what brings us righteousness. So... It's 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 no one no one is made righteous by trying to keep the law, um, and everyone who claims to be doesn't keep it themselves. Everyone who professes that you have to follow the law and the law is what makes you righteous, they don't even keep the law. So it's important that we remember as well the law had an effect, but it wasn't to make us righteous. And in in Bible but religion, sometimes people will often justify their own sins. And condemn the sins of others. Yes, sir. So yes, sir. someone may look at someone else's life or their mistakes that may be more public and say, "Well, the scriptures say you're not supposed. To, oh, you know you're not supposed to eat that that pork. You know the Bible say that that's not an unclean animal." Um, but they're also overlooking the sins and the the issues and the hurts and the things that the prejudices, injustices in their life yes, that they dismiss and say, "Well, you know, at least I'm not like that person, right?" So. That, that culture of, of looking at the speck in someone else's eye and not seeing the log in our eye, it can cause people to feel mistreated. It can cause them to feel ostracized because they're not being loved and accepted and encouraged in a biblical way instead of condemned. And that can be discouraging for well, as well. When the law is, is what is the goal, it's discouraging, it's crushing, because we're never going to get it. We're never going to ever be able to keep the law. That's not what the intent of the law was for. 
So we end up walking around with this self-condemnation, with this guilt, this shame, because we feel like I just, I, I, even the Ten Commandments, I haven't even kept all ten of those, and there's only ten of those. And if you look in Scripture, there's, there's over 600 more laws that God gave us to follow. And I couldn't even get the Ten Commandments. So imagine trying to feel like every day I got to keep all 630 of those laws, and I can't mess up, and it's all on me, and I got to make sure it happens. It, it could get discouraging. Um, and so it, it talks about how when we, when we take that approach, we become cursed. And from, from my own personal experience, it does feel like a curse when I'm trying to earn God's love, when I'm trying to make God value me as righteous, when I'm trying to see myself as accepted and forgiven. When it's on me to do that, it, it feels like a burden and ultimately a curse that I'm not able to, to get rid of. So he, he continues on verses 13 through 14, and he talks about the work of Christ in this defense of his faith. So he talks about how Christ has rescued us from the curse of the law. That, that same curse that we had, Christ took us away from that. And he says that he took our punishment. And, and, and in other words, when Christ came, he stepped in between the law and the people. He was able to be the one who, who took the burden and the responsibility of the law and gave us the freedom that came through that. So he says that through Christ we were blessed and we don't have to keep working for something that's already been given to us. On, that is such a relief and a blessing to not have to work for something that's already been given. Christ set us free from the burden of performance, not having to earn his love, not having to do things and jump through hoops and hop on one leg and hope, hey, is this good enough, God? Am I, am I making you happy? Is this what you want? He took all that away when he died on the cross. And the work of Christ on the cross is final. It's, it's good for all eternity. There's, it's never going to run out. It's never going to be expired. It's never going to be unavailable for us should we choose to accept it. And the first time in my life that I truly felt free in Christ, I was, I was probably in my 20s. So I lived a long time as a believer carrying around guilt and shame and um, just self-condemnation. So I, I, was, I was at this, this Christian conference, and the worship was great, the speakers are great, and it was the first time in my life that I experienced the freedom of Christ. And it was such... It was such an intoxicating feeling. The, the, I had never felt loved like that before. I had never felt peace like that before. I, I, was, I was standing in the middle of a room with about 500 people just crying, just praising God, worshiping Him, not worried about what people thought. That was the first time I hadn't worried about what somebody thought about me in worship. And it was so freeing to not have to feel like I had to earn God's love anymore. And the, the, the bad thing, though, is sometimes even though we have that freedom in Christ, we go back to the slavery that oh, comes yeah. with being under the law. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we do things that we know we shouldn't do. We just feel bad about things. And we go back to feeling like I got to earn God's love again. Oh. Oh. Instead of walking in the freedom that Christ has given us um, on, his, on his work on the cross. Yeah. So he goes on and he talks about the performance of our faith in verses 15 through 18. He talks about the promise uh, and, and this promise refers to being justified and made righteous, the one that God gave to Abraham. He says this promise can't be taken away or changed. And the, the promise that God gave to Abraham, Christ was a part of that promise. And 
what can happen is, especially in, in the Bible Belt culture, we can diminish the importance of faith in Christ and focus more on outward things like our appearance, yeah. uh, someone's gifts or talents, someone's influence or financial status, someone's social status. So sometimes in, in the Bible Belt culture, we focus on the things we can see yeah, and we don't realize, hey man, that, that guy has a great gift or the anointing is on him, but we don't talk about the fact that he might be mistreating his wife at home or he may not be faithful yeah. on his job. Yeah, yeah. So. The Bible Belt culture, sometimes it makes us look at things on the outside yeah, instead of focusing on the faith that we're supposed to have on the inside. So when we take the approach of, of works making us righteous, we forget and, and we actually walk away from the promise of Christ. So works means it's about me and I cancel the promise that comes through the gift of Jesus Christ. And our faith in Jesus is the only thing that can make us righteous. It doesn't matter how big a cross necklace I wear. It doesn't matter how, how big my ministry is. It doesn't matter how many people I'm discipling. If my faith is not in Jesus, I am not considered righteous by God. So our second point for, for us today in unlearning Bible Belt religion is that we have to accept the free gift of God. This is a personal challenge for me. There are a lot of times where I feel like I, I know God forgives, but I don't think he would forgive me. And, and, I, and I feel like I have to work or do something or try and be good long enough uh, in a month or a year for God to say, OK, now I'm at the level where I can love him the way that I love everybody else. And that's wrong. That's not that's not a part of the gift that God gave us. That's me adding stuff on to what God has already done, a complete work that he's already done. So we have to just accept that gift and, and not try and add stuff to it or make it better or more than what God has. It's a perfect gift. It's complete. There's nothing needed to it. We just have to accept it. Paul goes on in, in the next verses, 19 through 25, and he talks about the purpose of the law. Why was this law given to us in the first place? Anybody ever wanted that? If God was going to send Jesus anyway, why didn't he just not give us the law in the first place? But there's a reason why he did that, and, and we see that in this text. So this law was given to us alongside the promise of Christ. And this law was meant to be a tutor and in this time, the, the word tutor meant like someone who was a slave who would be kind of like a mentor or a, a teacher to the, the, the children of the slave owner. So this person was supposed to be very strict, a disciplinarian, and they were supposed to help educate that young child and keep them from the, the evil paths of society, help them to walk down the right road. So the law was supposed to be something that taught us and, and steered us down the right path. He also talks about how the law was supposed to be a guardian or a placeholder for us until Christ came. So if you think about a guardian, it may not be the biological parent. Something may have happened and the guardian has to step in and, and help get the child to school, help get the child fed and clothed, get him to a doctor's appointment. So a guardian is someone who just steps in until the parent can come back and fulfill their role. And that's what the law was supposed to do for us with Christ. And the important thing to know about the law is that we needed the law. We needed that guidance, that instruction. We needed the teaching to point us back to Christ. Because as we all know, left to our own wills and devices, 
we're not going to go the path that God wants us to. In fact, we're going to go the opposite way of, of, of where God wants us to be. So the law was not meant to condemn or beat us down or make us feel bad. <clears throat> the law was supposed to be our instruction for how we have a relationship with God and with other people. That's what the law was for. And so in our society, in, in Bible Belt culture, there's a lot of condemnation but not always a lot of rebuke. And there's a difference between the two. Condemnation points out our wrongs, but it leaves it there. That's it. It just says, hey, you're not supposed to do that. Stop doing that. You're not supposed to do that. Leave that alone. But rebuke says, hey, this is where you fell short, but now we're going to point you back to Christ and get you back on the path that God wanted you to be. So that's the difference between condemnation and rebuke. So in, in, in our culture, we see a lot of condemnation and also self-righteousness. And those are pretty much two sides of the same coin. They both can distort our reality. So condemnation says there's no hope. I, I can't change. I'm always going to be like this. But that's not our reality if we're in Christ. Um, self-righteousness says, hey, you know, I got it pretty good. I'm not messing up like him or her. They need to get it together. Yeah. I, hey, they need to be like me. Yeah. Not like Christ. They need to be like me. Because I got it down. I figured out how to do this Christian walk. They need to be like me. And, and that's not reality. And all, it, all of us have seen and come short of the glory of God. Uh, but, but also, condemnation and self-righteousness cause us to judge other people and to put them down while also not being able to live to the same standard that we hold others to. And in, in, in the Bible Belt culture, there can be the, the trend to have condemnation to people where we misuse scripture or we uh, tear them down. Or even just, have you, have you seen people use scripture just to like win an argument? Like totally out of context, not even a, a, applying to that situation, but just wanting to use the scripture kind of as a hammer, just hitting people and, and knocking them down and trying to build up their own reputation or win their own argument. Um, but that's not the, the way that the, the Bible is supposed to be used. Righteousness by works or the law means that righteousness can be, be lost by works or failure to obey the law. So if it's about what I can do to be righteous, then that means also I can also lose my righteousness if it's based on what, I, what I'm doing as far as the law and, and my obedience to it. And there's a lot of times that I've felt condemned or I've had to do something to earn God's love or feel like, you know, I got I to gotta step it up this week. You know, I, I, I got to give a little more an offering. I got to pray a little longer. I got to read my Bible a little more. Mm -hmm. um, those things are good, but they don't, be, they don't make me more righteous. Yes, yeah. the, the, the last thing that we see here is the verses 26 through 29. And this is where Paul talks about our present situation as believers. So he, he says that we are children of God through faith. There's that, that faith word again. He says that we are equal in our righteousness. So that means Abraham is just as righteous as I am in God's eyes. Paul is just as righteous as you are in God's eyes. So there's no big righteous people and little righteous people. He talks about how there's no difference between the Jew or the Greek, uh, the slave or the free, the Gentile or the Christian. All of them, if, if they confess their faith in Christ, all of them are considered righteous yeah. before him. And sometimes we have a tendency to see someone who may be in leadership 
leadership or who has a position in the church or who sits in a certain place in the church as more righteous than someone who, who doesn't have those opportunities. And that's not the case. To God, we're all righteous, we're all equal, we're all one in him. And that's important because otherwise we can, we can become conceited and prideful and think that, hey, because I have this title or because I have this position or because I have this influence or this income or this appearance, then I'm more righteous than someone sitting next to me. And that's not true. The, 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 the bad thing about Bible culture, Bible built culture is that the standard for righteousness is always moved and it can never be met. So we have to, we have to give this much money Okay, now you got to give more, or you have to have this many disciples, or you have to have this many members, or you have to be preaching like this, or you have to be singing like this. And all of those things, once we feel like we might meet it, then the expectation is moved again, and we never feel like we're reaching what other people say we should be. But with Christ, the standard is, He is the standard. And we don't have to worry about trying to be Him because we can't. But the great thing is that God empowers us to walk and live out the way that he was called us to do so that we don't have to be stuck in the, the problems of sin and, and life and issues that can make us feel like we're not getting anywhere with this Christian walk. So my last point is this. We have to remember our identity in Christ. We are all one. So black, white, Republican, Democratic, rich, poor, Male, female, we're all one in Christ. There, there is no higher level Christian and lower level Christian. We're all the same in Christ. And if we know who we are, we won't buy into the lies or the deceit that the enemy or other people can, can bring us when, we come, when it comes to our faith. And we don't, have to, we don't have to think that there's additional qualifications to become righteous or, or loved or accepted by God. So, you may be someone who has yet to believe in Jesus, or you may be someone who has already put your faith in Jesus. And in either way, you can still feel condemned. You can still feel self-condemnation or con- condemnation from other people. But the good news is condemnation only comes from men and sometimes from ourselves. But the Bible says that in Christ, there is no fo- there's therefore now no condemnation for those who believe in him. So I just want to remind us today that if we have our faith in Jesus Christ, that we have been justified and there's no need for guilt or shame or condemnation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your gift and promise that we did not earn.